I want to share a couple of quick teachings with you tonight, and then we'll move into, we'll see what a lab time looks like tonight. Um, but I want to um, do two things real quick. The first in the Great Commandment, this will be the fifth time, fifth, uh, all, every, every day in January, every Saturday in January, we've locked in on this, have made it a primary mission and call of our lives. It's my number one priority. I think, I'm arguably think it should be yours too, which is that the first in the Great Commandment would truly become the number one priority within your life. And only saying that because Jesus, the king who saved us, said it's the number one command. And so you'll remember, and let's just read it again in Matthew 22, 34, when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, which is the greatest commandment. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God, quoting Deuteronomy 6, 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then he says, this is the great and the first commandment, verse 38. Then 39, the bridge, connected to it. You cannot dissect this away. And the second's like it. It's like unto it. It's connected to it. It's, it's the expression, if you will, physically of this thing happening. And that's that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Luke, I mean, uh, Leviticus 18, 19. And on these two commandments, out of all 613, hang all the law and the prophets. Everything's summed up in these two things. So, I want to just build the bridge, as Brock did a little bit. We've talked a lot about loving the Lord with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength. The full dimensions, Mark will add strength in his in Mark 12. And so, we've talked about those dimensions, and we'll do that a little bit, about us loving God with our all. It's what makes you most human, is that you're a lover, that you're getting your life and your mind and your heart and your actions all around being a lover of God. And um, we don't know what that, it doesn't, it looks different for people. Are you a swayer, a moaner, a breather heavier to say you love God? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you love him with all your heart, that you're growing and moving. Christianity is not Christianity, and you're not in agreement with the Holy Spirit if you're not in step with the Holy Spirit's mission to increase in your heart love for God. He, the creator made us. There's natural rebellion in the creation, and there's a, war, a love war. That's what the war on the planet's about. It's not about oil primarily and about you know, property. It's around love. What do we love? It's a worship war on the planet. And so human beings or creatures getting into what they're made to be is getting into alignment with the first and great commandment. He didn't put something on us that we weren't made for, and so he's working to restore us to that. So we want to be lovers of God in our secret place, in meetings like this, like Elijah said, yay, and also at quick trips and places like that. And what Jesus does is he bridges and doesn't leave it, just love God with all you are. He says the second one is like it, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, we who love missions and prophecy, let me just read it over you. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, then I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What does that mean? I'm just, a, I'm just making noise. If I'm speaking in tongues and I've really ascended in my spirituality, doing all that, and I'm missing love, agape love, then I'm just wasted noise. And if I have prophetic powers and I can tell the future and understand all kinds of mysteries and knowledge and People are amazed, and I write books, and I have it, and I have all the faith in the world to move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. 
And if I give all that I give, and that's a good thing, if I give all and I deliver my body to martyrdom, I will do, I'll risk it and die for him, but I don't have love, then I've just wasted all those moments. These verses from the apostle's heart put in priority this issue of what we value so much. We value prophetic. I value, I love speaking in tongues. I love the biblical gift of speaking in tongues. I love uh, people that give their life in risk to martyrdom and, and give all their money. I mean, we love to tell stories up here of all these things. But it's weird or it's interesting and insightful that Paul offers to us all these things can be done and you miss love. So what it means is there can be another reason you're doing it. Like I'm getting identity with God. I'm trying to earn God's love. Wrong. Or I'm trying to earn men's applause. Or I'm trying to feel better and more spiritual. He's like, you're missing the target. These, all these things don't make sense at all unless they're in the context of love. The eternal culture of the kingdom of God for billions of years will be love. The new heaven and new earth, the number one personality trait of the new heaven and new earth will be a culture of love. And so we got to set our hearts on this thing and we got to figure out how to do it. And I think we've just been handed an x-ray in America about how we're doing in the church with love. Just throw in a little mask mandate and see how we treat each other. Just throw in a little politics and just see how we react. And somebody disagrees or somebody, it's a crazy deal, but it's not wasted. That's not wasted. It's not wasted because now we know. Now we know that we'll forsake the Sermon on the Mount because we're politically passionate. That's important to know. It stinks that we are like that, but it is. We'll choose our libertarian, um, I need to be careful. Over love. And it's like, what? Seriously? But it, it's good. It's not bad news. I'm not up here being sarcastic and dogging anybody. I'm telling you, getting the x-ray is a gift. But get to the surgery. Because the surgery is going to take out of you what's holding back love. And he wants to move you into love. And so, just a little meditation on this before I talk about prophetic. But who is it we're supposed to love? Well, we know our family. We know our wives and our children. But the Bible has three primary areas that should be a major challenge for you around loving human beings. We love God vertically, but we're to love people around us. Well, who? Well, number one, our brother says, Beloved, let us love one another, in 1 John 4. For love is from God, and whoever has been born of God knows God. Anyone who does not love doesn't even know God. What a, what a statement. To, to tell me, I know God and deep things about God, and you can't even love your brother that's in need, you're lying. He's saying that's not authentic Christianity. It's not the movement of the Spirit. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. You're being the antithesis of it. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, and there are some brothers to hate. There are some temptations to get hacked off at each other when you hear the gossip and you hear the deal. But he said, anybody that does that, they're a liar. For he does not love his brother whom, who, whom he sees. How can he love God whom he doesn't see it's just impossible, and this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. We're to love each other, and not just the ones that are nice to us. I love all you in this room that are so nice to me. And there's a couple of you that are not as nice. I'm kidding. Most of them are not in this room. But I've got a few today. I was with someone who didn't really not be nice to me. They were, anyway, and it's okay. And so I can love Wesley, who's super nice to me and will buy me lunch. But can I love 
the one who's confused by my position and how I'm posting on Facebook and is saying things about me. You know, that's, that's the proof of the pudding. We're to love our brothers, the body of Christ, everybody. Number two, we're to love our neighbor. And the answer to who our neighbor is, who's our neighbor? It's the guy in the hole. That's who it is. The guy in the hole is the, is the answer. Samaritans, you know the story. And it ends with this. Which of these do you think proved that he's the neighbor? Was it the priest? Was it the, was it the very... It, it, it was, no, it was the guy, the Samaritan, the half-breed that came in and actually reached down and took care. That's who was acting like a neighbor. So anybody in trouble becomes a person you're supposed to love. And then lastly, this is the challenging one, your enemies. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Your brother, your be a neighbor for everybody that's in need. And then just watch the words and read them with me. For you have heard that it was said, you shall love, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Do, you not, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers who are pretty nice to you, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles love their family? You, therefore, must be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I just want to say this. Loving our enemies and a radical love of enemies out of the church will transform nations. It will transform this tit-for-tat, enemy pokes us, we respond kind of culture that's going on. And I believe that this should, your enemies are multifaceted. They can be in your own household. They could be down the street. They could be in the White House. You with me? And I know what my Bible says. This is the thing that shocked me the most in this season is the forsaking of Sermon on the Mount behavior because of political issues. As though it gives us permission to demonize and speak about our enemies in vicious ways, Jesus says, my kingdom is this. I want you praying for your enemies. You do not, and love them, you do not have to agree with your enemy's agenda to love them and pray for them. Does everybody know that? You don't have to agree with their agenda to never speak a vile word about them. And everything's going to be tempting you out and giving you permission. Talk radio, the guy on the internet, the video, He's going to try to stir you up and try to tell you how just it is because your cause is just. You can forsake what Jesus told us to do, and I disagree. I think he wants us to mature in love and love those who love us and love those who don't love us. Amen? Amen. Let us love our enemies. It'll be the most radical thing on planet Earth. So, Father God, I pray, mature your church in love. We're going to be radical lovers of you, so we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And then help us love these people we see day in, day out. We see them on the Internet or on TV. and They're, they're, they're public. Lord, I pray, help us to love those um, who don't love us, uh, to love those who disagree. I pray, God, help us to pray for those who persecute us. Get us ready for a bigger day with bigger mountains to die on. May we not fail in these little tests. God, I pray you teach us how to be a people of love carrying the reality of heaven on planet earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.